This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 8. Did Jesus Claim to be God? So in the last episode, we talked about the resurrection and its historical truth. The fact that we are justified in believing through the historical record that Jesus did in fact rise bodily from the dead. We also said that this, along with his other miracles, but in particular, this resurrection, was the seal or confirmation of the truth of Christ's teachings, the miracle par excellence. So Christ's teachings are of utmost importance. We need to ask ourselves, what exactly did he say? What is the content of Christianity? What do Christians believe? What makes a Christian? Well, the most important claim, the one that we're going to talk about today, is that Jesus is God and we are to worship him. That's a central tenet of Christianity, the perhaps the main tenet of Christianity. It's why it's called Christianity. Of course, there are doubters, and I don't just mean people that doubt God's existence or doubt that Jesus is God. They doubt that Jesus even claimed to be God, which is, hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see is a ridiculous claim. Just to find one example, I pulled up an article, and it happened to be from NPR, and it said, the headline is, if Jesus never claimed to be God, how did he become one? Now, of course, we know that it's an ignorant statement or question to ask, but it's relatively widespread. And strangely, even among people that call themselves Christians, who empty Christianity of its real substantial meaning and just see it as a philosophy of life that entails service to others and uh, loving your neighbor, but that it doesn't really entail worshiping the God-man Jesus. Uh, So this is something that we need to look into. Did Jesus claim to be God? Did he understand himself as God? And what do you say to people, especially other so-called Christians, when they claim that he didn't? We'll go over a substantial amount of evidence from the Gospels in particular, but it won't be nearly exhaustive, even from the Gospels or the rest of the New Testament, in showing that Jesus did, in fact, claim to be God, and he intended that we worship him as God. Even before going over these passages from the New Testament, we should know that even non-Christians at the time, those contemporary with the beginning of the Christian faith, testified, this is literature external to the New Testament, testified that the Christians were known to worship Jesus as a god. One example that I have is Pliny the Younger, historian Pliny the Younger, in the year 111 in one of his letters said, quote, it was their habit on a fixed day to assemble before daylight and recite by turn a form of words to Christ as a God, end quote. There's many other texts like this that serve as external confirmation that is outside of the gospel literature to show that uh, Jesus was in fact considered God by the early Christians. So what are the texts from the gospels that best show that Jesus himself claimed to be God and commanded to be worshiped by his followers? Again, there's many dozens and dozens and dozens of ones we could use. I'm primarily going to pull from the Gospel of John because it's there that he makes the clearest statements of his divinity, 
However, in all of the other Gospels, he makes many statements or implications uh, regarding his divinity. So we'll go mostly with the Gospel of John, but also from Matthew and some from Mark. So the first is John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now this might be one of the most shocking things he said to the crowds because they would have heard it as an explicit claim of divinity because I am at the end is really Christ uttering the name of God as God revealed himself to Moses. When he, when Moses asked for God's name, God said to Moses that his name is I am. And this is a word not even uttered by the Jewish people uh, to this day. Another example is John chapter 7 verse 29. Christ, speaking about uh, God the Father, says, I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me, showing this uh, close union between God the Father and God the Son. John chapter 5, verse 22, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Now consider what that means. It's not like just some delegation of power. For God to judge, to judge all of humanity, this includes the judgment of the innermost thoughts, right? The thoughts and desires of man the innermost sins or innermost uh, acts of uh, virtue are going to be judged by God on the last day. This can only be done by God because only God can penetrate the depths of the mind and the heart. And Christ claims this power to judge all mankind. John chapter 5, verse 23, and, uh, Christ says, Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Again, showing this very strict close union between father and son, which of course isn't made, isn't explained or articulated. That's done in the early centuries of the church and we'll do a podcast episode on that. But it still shows this close union between God the Father and Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, it's hard to think of this as anything other than a claim to be God himself to say you're the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, verse 13. Christ says, And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. John chapter 20, verse 28. This is again uh, one of the clearest articulations of Christ's divinity. This is when Thomas the Apostle, who doubted Christ's resurrection, finally sees him and touches his wounds. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Not sure how you get around that one. Now let's move on to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew verse uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now a number of things in, in those verses point to his divinity. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth... He, he has all authority, that they are to baptize not only in the name of God the Father, but also God the Son and the God the Holy Spirit, he, who he was to send to them, and that they are to teach everything that he commanded them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Again, a clear command of worship calling for a love that is greater than the love one has for one's family. He says this a number of times. It's kind of still shocking to us, you know, that whoever doesn't hate their father or mother or whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He's calling for a love that supersedes the love of family. This is a love of worship. How about the Gospel of Mark? Mark chapter 1, verse 13. It says, He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, 
and the angels waited on him. I'm not really sure who the angels would wait on other than God himself. In Mark chapter 2, verse 28, he says, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This is a huge statement because God is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Christ is saying, I am God here in a somewhat indirect, but the Jews would have heard it as a very direct claim of divinity. Sabbath being the day set aside for the worship of God, Christ saying he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's throw in one more here. Mark chapter 9, verse 4. It's about the transfiguration when Tabor, he appears transfigured before them. And it says, And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. This one might be more subtle, but with Christ in the center of Moses and Elijah, who were talking to him as to an authority, you have the summation of all of the law and the prophets speaking to Christ. This would have been seen as a sign of his divinity, his divine authority. I'll end the quotes from the New Testament going back to John, ending with what's perhaps the most familiar and also one of the clearest expressions of Christ's divinity as held by the apostles and the early Christians. The very beginning of John's Gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if one were to actually read the New Testament, which a lot of these skeptics do not, of course, It's obviously overwhelming that Christ both claimed to be God and commanded worship of his person, and also that the early Christians, the apostles, the early disciples, the early Christian communities, the early church, however you want to put it, they all worshipped Christ as God and realized this was the most important thing that Christ came to teach, to reveal himself, for God to reveal himself to us in a form that we could know and see and touch. So Christ claimed to be God, and his apostles and disciples believed he was God. The question is, was he God? Now, we know that he is God by the grace of supernatural faith. Well, we can reason to it in a cert- to a certain extent, um, and that is, in a way, given to us by the famous author C.S. Lewis. This is a pretty famous argument. It's called Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. Because we have the words of Jesus that we just went through a number of them, claiming to be God, uh, demanding worship, demanding a greater love than one has for one's family, etc. So he claimed to be God, so he either was God, he either was the Lord, or he was a liar, or he was a lunatic. And this is an effective argument because there's a lot of people that say Jesus wasn't God, but he was a great moral teacher, or he was a, a beacon of wisdom, and he gave us all these great teachings. But that can't really be true. Those things can't be true. Because we saw that Christ claimed to be God and demanded to be worshipped, claimed to be able to judge all of humanity, had the power to forgive sins. So if he claimed all of those things, he couldn't have been some wise uh, teacher, right? He couldn't have been some great holy man, because either he was lying about it, which makes him an evil man, or he was simply deceived or was deluded or he was a lunatic and really thought he was God and had all of these things. But the one thing you can't say about Jesus is that he was just a good guy or a a holy rabbi. He can't be those things given what he claimed. If he's not God, then he's a liar or a lunatic. But no one looking at the person and teaching of Jesus could possibly claim that he was a liar or a lunatic. And so the conclusion is, of course, that he was who he says he was. That is, that he was, in fact, God incarnate. Now, what it means to be God and man is, of course, a mystery, something that 
supersedes our intellect. We can't fully understand that mystery. But we do know, even on a natural level, based on this testimony of scripture, that Jesus was God. He claimed to be God and confirmed it by miracles. And that he also was really a man, that he had human emotions, he had a human will, that he had a human body, of course, both before and after his resurrection. So to kind of unravel that mystery, we'll tackle that in a subsequent episode, what it means for Jesus to be fully God and fully man, how that can be true without being a contradiction. There are, of course, many resources you could use to look up more scriptural evidence of Christ's divinity and his claim to divinity. But just to limit it to one resource, look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church in section 2, chapter 2, which deals with uh, the part of the, of the Nicene Creed that deals with Christ's identity. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. If these podcasts are helpful to you, please subscribe or follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also consider subscribing on my Patreon which will give you access to a full-length weekly episode, as well as other spiritual reading and commentary from the Fathers of the Church on the Sunday readings.